Welcome back to the Lions Football Show. I'm your host, Lance Cartelli, Managing Editor for Lions.com, the greatest website on the internet. As always, I'm joined by my co-host, former NFL player Eric Crocker, and Lions writer Ian Wharton. On today's episode, you know what we're doing. We're breaking down the Super Bowl between the Bengals and the Rams. We're going to pick the winners, our best bets, our favorite props for, sadly, the final game of the season. Let's not waste any more time. Uh, We've got the Rams somehow on the road, even though it's in L.A. at SoFi against the Bengals. Rams minus four favorites, uh, over-under set at 48.5. Rams 10-10 and 10 against the spread this season, while the Bengals are 13-7. and 7. Uh, Both teams coming off some wild, crazy comeback victories, but will the Bengals win their first Super Bowl in franchise history? What do you think, Ian? I, I don't think that they will. Um, I know that we've kind of been selling them you know, along the way. And, you know, some of that just might be, you know, overthinking it. And some of that just might be, you know, us kind of going like traditional as far as, uh, you know, how we're looking at the Bengals team and they just keep overcoming. And, but man, the, the Rams are like the most extreme version of the teams that they've faced so far. And what I mean is, you know, yes, Joe Burrow and, and this offense keep overcoming good pass rushers, but, Von Miller has been at an all-pro level since he's gotten to L.A. He's fully back. He's been absolute terror, uh, just wonderful for the Rams. And then obviously we know about Aaron Donald. And this is a blitz-heavy team. The Rams are going to come after it. They really don't need to. They're not, like, extremely effective at the blitz. Um, but they still bring the blitz hot and heavy. And I think it's just going to overwhelm uh, Cincinnati's offense just even more. And, like, it's, it's weird to say that because, like, I, you know, Tennessee got what, like nine sacks on Joe Burrow? And it's like, well, if that's not enough, then what is enough? And chances are is that the Rams won't get nine sacks on Joe Burrow. But I just think that the way that they create pressure, the way that they're second, the way that the Rams uh, convert those opportunities to turnovers, there's a team that uh, was one of the top 10 teams in interceptions. I think they're even higher than they might have been top five. Very opportunistic back end of that defense. Eric Weddle. Went from street free agent, which we joked about, to being active roster, to now having the green dot in the Super Bowl just like five weeks later. Um, so kind of like best case scenario possible happened with Eric Well joining the Rams. Um, but it, it's a really good unit. They're very sound. And you know, I think with like the playmaking that they have on that back end, I think that they'll kind of bring something different that a lot of the teams that Cincinnati hasn't faced yet has. They faced Kansas City that had more of like a good pass rush, but they didn't really have like the super high uh, productive corners, the safeties with obviously Tyron Matthew um, dealing with his, you know, coming off of that concussion. Like they didn't really have full strength playmakers like the Rams have, I think, on that back end. And then you look offensively, I think, for the Rams, what they can be counted on to do. I'm interested to see kind of how the Rams offense comes out of this game because they're it's a veteran team. It's a little bit more of an experienced team. Matthew Stafford obviously being older, Odell Beckham being a little bit older, Cooper Cup a little bit older, especially compared to the Bengals. You would think that that experience, you would think that Sean McVay's experience in the Super Bowl, that should come up as a as an asset in the first half of this game when everyone's buttholes are puckered tight. You would think that the veterans kind of come through and, and, and you're going to see more of the machine, right? Like, do the Rams come out and play as the machine or do they come out disjointed? I kind of expect the Bengals to, you know, kind of play with that, that free, loose underdog mentality and that swag that Joe Burrow has. 
I think that could help them overcome that early game jitters. And if they don't, if, if the Bengals don't come out like that and the Rams come out as part of the machine and they're out there with a strong game plan, just executing like this is just a regular game, you know, I think this game could, you know, kind of get out of hand early and then you kind of get, you know, rain back in in the second half because good teams come back. Um, so I kind of think the Rams have the, just have like the advantage because the way that the matchup is, is it's uniquely bad for Cincinnati. And I don't think that Cincinnati has no chance. But I just think that when you look at the turnover factor, the, the pass rush factor, the way that neither of these teams run the ball effectively, they're facing both facing good running defenses. Uh, this is going to be, you know, a lot of Joe Burrow's shoulders. I know he's got the weapons to do it, but the Rams are the one team really equipped to to slow them down, force turnovers, um, eat possessions. And I think that the Bengals are going to need all of those possessions um, not that it'll be a high-scoring game, but I just think that the margin for error for both sides is, is really small. Now, when I look at this game, I, I you know, the, the Bengals, they're definitely a team that I feel like each week, at least each of the last two weeks, I, I definitely picked them against Tennessee. But I, I feel like we're kind of counting them out, right, like kind of discrediting what they've done to get to this point, a team that on paper it seems like they potentially are kind of overmatched or maybe just kind of discounting how impactful their special players are. You know, when you look at Jamar Chase and what he's done throughout the year, Joe Mixon, I mean, T. Higgins being over a thousand yard receiver, and Tyler Boyd, almost a thousand yard receiver, and their tight end, who I'm not even sure he played last week, or maybe he played and then got hurt early on. I think that's what it was, and yeah. wasn't able to finish the game. And they were still able to pull out a, a victory over Kansas City that we thought, hey, Kansas City, for whatever reason, whether it's the experience that they've had in those type of moments. The moment might be too big for this young Cincinnati Bengals team. I think that's what's telling us right now. The Rams should be the favorites in this team. And you know, I was asked by my co-host on Locked On 49ers, Brian Peacock, hey, wh- who do you pick to win the Super Bowl? And I'm like, well, my gut tells me the L.A. Rams. Just It feels like they have uh, more players that have just kind of been there in big moments. Maybe not so much uh, Super Bowl, but just – impactful type games. They've been around for a lot of years, eight plus years, all their special guys, aside from maybe Jalen Ramsey, who's hovering around that mark. And you think, hey, the moment's not going to be too big for those guys. So they have the advantage. But every step of the way, the Cincinnati Bengals and their young guys have kind of showed us, like, whatever you think is too big of a moment for us, it's not. Now, I think the big question mark is Cincinnati's defense. And can they get enough pressure on Matthew Stafford to make him uncomfortable? and get them to do things that he doesn't want to do. Can the Cincinnati Bengals say, you know what, we're going to take away the run, we're going to force Matthew Stafford to throw the ball. And the more he throws the ball, the more he's he's prone to turn the ball over. We saw that early in the game against San Francisco, turning it over on the goal line. He also basically punted the ball to Jaquiski Tart. He wasn't able to take advantage of that, uh, what should have been the interception, which still still hurts. But (laughs) – you know, looking at all those things, man. I mean, this is this is not a Bengals team that I wanted. I want to discredit for how they've gotten here. And again, the big moments, things like that. I, I guess if you go back a couple of years, that was as big of a moment as it gets in the SEC football. One of the best historically great teams of all times, LSU, led by Joe Burrow, led by Jamar Chase, and what they did in that postseason run. Maybe, maybe it's just those two guys' time. Even in a game like this, so. uh my 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 gut says take the Rams because I think that's the logical thing to do, but 
I think the Bengals, this is a team I, I'm just not count, counting out. I think they definitely have enough special players to, to make it work. And when I look at Joe Burrow, y'all, y'all remember last week. I mean, they were down big. But even when it got close and the game was tied, it took a few special plays from Joe Burrow to really get them kind of over that hump. He had to make plays with his legs. And I think just a guy like that that's willing to do whatever it takes, any way he has to do it, I think that that's just something we got to factor in. It didn't just – I mean, this is not something on the field, but maybe on the field in the sense of how he carries himself. Watching him walk into stadiums, he got the big, like, little fur coat on or whatever. He got the shades on. He got the go- the chain out. You know, just the way he's carrying himself, I don't know. It's, it's hard to count out a guy like Joe Burrow right now. Yeah, he's playing with so much confidence. I do think you guys make great points about the experience thing. Uh, the Rams were just in the Super Bowl a few years ago. A lot of the same players are there, so that will play a big part in that. But I think what Crocky said was right. Joe Burrow is kind of the great equalizer for that. Like, they did just play in the college football championship, obviously not the same stage, but these things just don't seem too big for them. And a lot of these games, you know, the energy really gets to you and you make some mistakes in the beginning. And I just, I think the Bengals, despite not having that experience, I think Joe Burrow kind of settles them down a little bit. Uh, for for me, you know, this is a really interesting matchup. I think it's pretty incredible that the Bengals have gone this far with just an atrocious offensive line. They've allowed 91 pressures in their last six games and they've won all six of those games. It's really just a testament to Joe Burrow and that skill player talent. But to me, the the big difference, I think, is the coaching. I think, you know, Sean McVay might be this big dork, but he's clearly a good coach. And I think the Bengals are kind of going this far despite Zach Taylor, who is McVay's uh, old uh, offense coordinator. So, you know, in the last game, how many times did we see the Bengals just be super conservative, run on first down? And that's why they fell down so far. They didn't come back until they really unleashed Burrow. I'm worried that they're going to have the same kind of game plan, that they're really going to try to establish the run and not subject Burrow to so many hits. I think it'll be a good passing game when they do. Yeah. Lance, real quick. And that was something that we brought up, right? Like when we were talking about it on the last episode, you know, it was, hey, go out there and do the things that got you here. Don't go out there and kind of be a shell of yourself. They've been throwing the ball around at a high, you know, level. Do those things that got you to that point, and then you may become successful. And that was one thing that we thought they wouldn't do. And like you're saying right now, early on, they kind of put the cuffs on the offense by coming out and taking a more conservative approach, which is not what got them to the point that they are today. Yeah, exactly. And that's it's exactly opposite of what the Rams did. The Rams, you know, McVay's conservative too, but the Rams came out, went with a pass-heavy approach against the Niners. They played with pace. I think the Rams are going to duplicate that, and I think the Bengals might not duplicate that pass-heavy pass heavy op- offense until it's too late or they're down two scores. You know, um, And I think the Bengals have struggled against Vic Fangio-type defenses. That's what the Rams run, those two safeties that keep everything in front of them. Uh, they average 19 points per game, so that's another negative, I think, for this Burrow-led uh, offense. And then for the Rams, you know, like I said, it was really encouraging for them to play so aggressive. Um, the Since he blitzes at the second lowest rate, Stafford kills the blitz. So I think that's a nice dichotomy. So I think Stafford's going to have plenty of time, but I think he is going to, you know, kind of have the Mahomes thing where is he, does he get too uh, impatient? Does he make some mistakes? I think he definitely throws at least one interception. The uh, Bengals secondary isn't great, but it's not bad. I think they can do a pretty good job other than against Cooper Cup. 
And then uh, I think the Bengals are going to try to make the Rams run. The Bengals are not a good run defense. And I think the Rams want to go with a three-headed running back committee because Cam Akers just hasn't been that good this year or since coming off that uh, Achilles injury. So uh, it's a really fun matchup. A lot of smart people are taking the under of 48 and a half. I'm going the opposite direction on this one. Both these defenses aren't top 10. So I think it's going to end up being a little bit of a shootout. I think the Bengals make a two-score comeback in the fourth quarter, but ultimately Cooper Cup and Aaron Donald make that game-changing play to eat this one out. We have the Bengals plus four and the over, but the Rams win 27-24. I think I'm in the same range. Oh, go ahead. Yeah, go ahead, Ian. Yeah, a couple other quick notes that I thought were really interesting. Um, Bengals are 32nd in the league in EPA against uh, empty formations. You can guess that the Rams are, I think, the league's heaviest, if not the second heaviest, Mm -hmm. empty formation team. Uh, interested to see how that one plays out. Um, Burrow, I think, has the sixth quickest release time. Um, the Rams are like the bottom three defense as far as uh, release points under three seconds. So that will be another dichotomy. That again, it kind of, how does this play out? Like those little games within the games would be great. I'm interested to see Trey Hendrickson against Andrew Whitworth. Uh, we talked, you know, we talked about Matthew Stafford having time. If Whitworth, yeah, is Whit- the Whitworth Hall of revenge Famer, game. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Whitworth revenge game for sure. Um, interested to see how that individual matchup goes because I think that goes a long way in determining how Cincinnati does. Um, because they got to get after after Stafford. You're, you're, you're right. Like if Stafford is playing panicked, <laughs> Cincinnati, you know, they've got the goods. Especially with the way Eli Apple's playing right now, is very confident, playing very well. What a weird, he's, weird sentence. Eli Apple's playing. That you way. know, he's but he's kind of been that like league average type of guy where like he has those moments that are just terrible and then he has those really good moments he's kind of elevated in the in the key moments kind of back to that ohio state level where you can count on him a little bit more it's it's been fascinating to see and that's kind of like the bengal season right like they signed a bunch of decent but like not amazing world beaters and then they've all played to like their best potential and so it's been a fantastic ride for them um but yeah, I, I think I'm with you. I think I was thinking 27-24 too. I do think that the Bengals do cover. I think that they're just a really solid team. Their defense has really stepped up. Um, I think they've been the bigger storyline even over Burrow in the postseason compared to what we expected. Um, it's not a unit that forces a lot of turnovers. Uh, they they give up a lot of passing yards, uh, but they crunch down when it's time to. And I think that they deserve a lot of credit for um, their ability to mix coverages and, and really draw the most out of solid role players. And, I mean, Jesse Bates is a star, but, like, outside of him, Von Bell's pretty good. Um, these guys, you know, Chidobia Woozy is playing fantastic. Like, that signing, I think, was really, really underrated. Like, I know I, I was probably underselling what he did in Dallas, too. So, um, just a lot of props to Cincinnati. I think I would not be surprised if they win. They just got to get the Rams off of their, their well-oiled machine. And if they do, then they, you know, they can absolutely win. Yeah, you're right. Bates is a star, but they don't really like it's him and Hendrickson. But yeah, I think if they can get pressure with four and not have to blitz, I think that completely changes the game and the defensive game plan. Uh, Crocky, what were you going to say? Yeah, well, I was going to give my score prediction. You gave yours. Nope. I didn't give mine. Yeah, I kind of went in the direction of what I was kind of leading to this game. And I, I've kind of talked myself into thinking the Bengals can and will win this game. So, you know, at, with the spread, minus four. I think you definitely should take the the Bengals. You don't have to be as bold as me to maybe put some money on the money line. But, yeah, I'm thinking uh, 31-27, kind of a shootout there. And uh, I'm taking the Bengals, man. I just think Burrow, 
he's just got something special going on. He got something special going on. And Matthew Stafford, as as good of a quarterback as he is, and he's tremendous. And he's probably been waiting his whole career for this moment to be on a team that would back him in the sense of putting weapons around him and building it to a point where he's a, a, a championship contender. But I think it's just Burrow's time right now. We've seen it with Mahomes. He's had his time. Right now, yeah, I got to roll with Burrow. And, uh, yeah, 31-27. I, I can't believe I'm saying that because I just picked against him a couple of days ago. It's uh, it's probably not a good sign that we're all picking the Bengals in the over, so it'll probably be the Rams minus four in the under. Uh, but, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I, uh, it, you know, we're all kind of going against the grain because I think a lot of people are taking the Rams and they're taking a minus four and taking the under. So uh, that's pretty interesting. Uh, do you guys have any more final thoughts on this game or should we get into some of the more uh, fun betting aspects, like the prop bets? Let's get into some of the prop bets. All right. I know Ian just wrote a great piece uh, for lines.com. If you guys want to check it out on his uh, favorite prop bets. Um, how about we just kind of go around and we can kind of name some of our favorites. Uh, I'll start off. Uh, my favorite for Super Bowl MVP, Aaron Donald plus 1600. You know, maybe if the game isn't under and maybe Aaron Donald does have three sacks and make some game changing plays. I think he's a more fun option than taking like a wide receiver. If it's not going to be a quarterback, I think it's a, it's Aaron Donald. My favorite, yeah. Well, what, well, uh, I was gonna say one of my favorite prop bets is Matthew Stafford's. Uh, his over under on passing attempts is, I believe, thirty seven and a half. Let me check real quick. One second, thirty six and a half. Excuse me. Uh, and over the last two games, he's averaging uh, a little bit over forty one attempts per game. So when you look at thirty six and a half, what he's averaging over the last couple games, I definitely lean towards the over on Matthew Stafford's passing attempts. That's one of my favorite ones, especially if the game kind of goes how I've said, and, well, all of us have said, more of a shootout, a little bit more higher scoring. He's in. Can you guys hear me? I yeah. got a phone call. Yeah. But it looks like a little bit, uh, you know, having to play from behind. But, yeah, I'm going to go with uh, with the over on Matthew Stafford's 36-and-a-half passing attempts. I like that, that is a lot. Too. Yeah. Go ahead, Ian. Yeah, I like that one too because I was noticing that trend too um, with Stafford. I, I think to go right with that is Odell Beckham over five and a half receptions. Um, Beckham has put himself in a really interesting situation since joining the Rams. Uh, you know, I think that his career was kind of in that moment where it's like, okay, like we're about to see if he just becomes like the next like Josh Gordon flyer guy, like where he just starts to get like, you know, these prove it type of deals, you know, after Cleveland, that debacle. And I think he's kind of shown over the last couple of weeks, especially he's a go-to guy still. He's transformed this offense in a way where I think the Rams really need to treat him as a, a guy that they got to bring back. Like if the cost is at all reasonable, he's brought a new element to the offense where he can just win one-on-one. He can transform and transcend the scheme a little bit. Um, which is what we expect out of him, but he just hasn't really been that guy because of after injuries and you know some really strange drops and just bad chemistry um, in Cleveland. And so I, for me, I think he's going to get a ton of passes hit thrown his way. I think Cincinnati kind of sells out uh, to stop Cooper Cup as much as they can uh, within reason. And so I think about Odell is the one to. I think Van Jefferson is like a, a sneaky pick to maybe like lead the game in receiving yards if you want like a long shot bet. Um, but I think Odell gets a lot of volume this game. Yeah, I like that. Since he's joined the Rams, he's doing more intermediate 
he's getting more intermediate looks. So I definitely think he'll start getting, he'll get more targets than he was when he was more of a deep threat. Uh, let's see my next favorite one, uh, Burrow or Stafford to catch a pass plus 800. Everyone loves the trick plays in the Super Bowl. They love throwing to the quarterback. I feel like at plus 800, that's a, a fun value and something to root for. Yeah, you, you, you probably have to put a couple hundred down for it to, like, you know, really kind of pay off. But, you know, yeah, 200 down, that's 1,600 that you get back. I think that's a solid outcome. But, uh, oh, man, we, we've seen it. We saw the Philly special. And then we also saw, I believe, in that same game or maybe the next Super Bowl. I don't know if Tom Brady it feels like he's in every Super Bowl. Uh, Tom Brady going down trying to catch a pass as well. So, yeah, and then, he, then um, he dropped it. I remember that. Yeah, that was in the these quarters. Super Bowl. Okay, same Super Bowl. And these quarterbacks are definitely more more athletic than what we've seen from Tom Brady, not just at this age, I guess throughout Tom Brady's entire career. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, that is a nice little fun prop. Uh, there, another prop that I like, Sonny Michelle. His over-under on his carries is, if I'm not mistaken, I just looked at it, six and a half or five and a half. I think I saw it at five and a half. Okay, five and a half. So, I like that. I like that at five and a half. Look at that. I think it just disappeared. On uh, it was, underdog it was too fantasy, good. it was too good. Yeah, it was too good. Oh man, I, I want to jump on that. But it was at five and a half. If you can still get it there, I think that's awesome. You look at the past couple games against, I believe it was San Francisco. He had ten carries for sixteen yards, but they're still giving him the carries. Right there, they are definitely trying to establish the run game. Uh, the game against Tampa Bay, he only had one carry, but the the game before that, he also had. Uh, he was pushing dang there ten carries. So. Five and a half over under for Sony Michelle. I definitely would take the over on that. I think he's going to get at least six carries. Yeah, the only thing that worries me with that is Daryl Henderson's on track to come back. But Cam Akers has been not great this postseason. So I could, you know, definitely could see it, especially if they end up riding the hot hand, then Sony could end up definitely hitting the over on that. Ian, what's your next one? Yeah, um, I would add in this kind of spark like. An interesting kind of um, topic the other day. Mina Kimes, who's awesome for ESPN, talked about uh, how the Rams, uh, basically the weakness of their defense is over the middle, and it's on short passes, and how that helps with Tyler Boyd. And so I found a prop bet. It's kind of, it's a combination like parlay, basically 100 plus yards and one TD scored plus 1600 return. And I think this is an interesting one because. Like, that's by design, right? Like, the Rams defense, by design, that's what they want to give up, which is smart. Like, if you can give up that part of the field and survive, one, it limits yards after the catch opportunities because it's a crowded middle of the field. Two, there's a chance of batted balls, so more interception opportunities. Three, it also uh, keeps Burrow in the pocket as well, like, specifically to this matchup. It keeps his eyes, like, straight in front of him instead of wandering all over the field. Like, you kind of want to give up. If you're going to give up anything, you give up the easy completion over the middle that's going to go for four to six yards as opposed to on the sidelines to Jamar Chase for 50 yards. So I think this is an interesting one in the sense of where if the Bengals play into it because the Rams are baiting it, then I think Tyler Boyd has a really good opportunity to kind of get the volume. And usually, you know, we've kind of talked about in the past where like T Higgins usually gets the volume. Jamar Chase has kind of been emerging as more than just a big threat guy. Boyd's been kind of forgotten in this offense. He only averages, I think, like 40 to 50 yards a game, something like that. But this might be one of those matchup games uh, where he just gets a ton of the volume. CJ Uzma coming back from the knee injury. We don't know how good and how healthy he's going to be able to move. 
Um, I would think that he's not going to be a huge part of the game plan just because of the severity of the knee injury. Like if this wasn't the Super Bowl, I don't think he'd be playing this week. Um, so I think Boyd steps in. I think he's going to get a lot of one-on-one matchups with linebackers. Um, the Rams do play a lot of zone defense. So again, that just kind of tips the favors more towards Boyd. So I think for plus 1600, I think that's a fairly reasonable bet. I don't know if he gets the yardage. That'd be my big concern um, over the touchdown. As hard as touchdowns are to come. Um, but I do think that he's a guy that could probably get like 11 catches for 106 yards this game and, and quietly has a monstrous game. Yeah, I could see that, especially if they emphasize the quick passing game. My next one, it's two of them. It's a kicker one, which, you know, makes it a little fun. Evan McPherson makes a 50-plus yarder plus 140. That feels like a no-brainer, especially with how conservative the Bengals are. And then any kick to hit an upright plus 400. I love that. Yeah. So why not? Uh, there there are a couple more that I like, and I've kind of been sticking with this theme with the quarterbacks. And on Underdog Fantasy, you can pick between uh, Joe Burrow and Matthew Stafford, who's going to throw more attempts. I would definitely lean more towards Matthew Stafford, especially if you think, like I do, and well, all of us, that they're going to be behind. So I would pick Matthew Stafford in that. You could do their pick em or a uh, rival right there on Underdog Fantasy. And then also, I like the uh, – 12-and-a-half rushing yard over under for Joe Burrow. I think it is going to come down to him having to make a couple plays with his legs, and I believe he will. So the only thing that worries me a little bit is at the end of the game, quarterbacks start taking knees and then take away a few of those rushing yards. But uh, I like the over-under on his rushing yards, Joe Burrow's, and uh, I probably would take the over on that. Yeah, I like that one. Ian, you got any more? I think that's it. I mean, I covered a lot of them in my article today. Um I think you guys really hit on some good ones. Um, just kind of glancing over ones that I really liked. Um, another good kind of interesting one is large lead of the game, under 14 and a half. So if you think it's going to be a really tight game, which I do think we'll, we all expect, I would be surprised if this gets to like a 17-point lead. It wouldn't be shocking. Uh, both these teams have given up those type of leads and then rushed back to, to come back to win, obviously. Um, so it's not out of the question, but – I do think this is going to be one of those tougher type of games that just really grinds it out. Um, maybe we see like a 10-point lead, but I think 14.5 is a big big amount. And for minus 125, I think that's a pretty reasonable return. Yeah, that half point is a big one. Uh, I'll go through a couple more that I liked. Uh, this one I don't even understand. I thought it was super random, but will there be an octopus? Yes, plus 1,400. So I figure why not? I don't know what the octopus has to do with anything. Um, maybe Nickelodeon? <laughs> you know, Nickelodeon sometimes broadcast the games and they do all that fun little splashing water, green slime stuff. Maybe an octopus can come on the field somehow. <laughs> That's the only hoping, thing I can think of. I'm hoping it's like a like the Bills throw a dildo on the field. I'm hoping the new LA thing is to throw an octopus on Have the we field. found like what's up with that? Uh I think it's just a you know, Bills fans gonna Bills Mafia. That's what they do. Go through tables and throw dildos. Uh, A couple others I liked. Uh, Rams total sacks over three and a half plus 105. Feels like that's absolutely going to happen. Total game sacks over five and a half plus 110. I do both of those. And I like this one. Bengals win. Burrow throws for 260 plus yards. Chase scores a touchdown plus 600. And those are all on DraftKings. Yeah, those are all on DraftKings. I like that. A couple of ones that people might be interested in. Uh, T. Higgins, Tyler Boyd, I think they're definitely going to need big games from both of those guys. So Higgins 
over under on his receptions is five and a half, and Tyler Boyd's over under on receiving yards is thirty nine and a half. I think uh, those are two like really good props that I would lean towards. But if I had to choose between one or the other, I'd probably say T Higgins on his five and a half uh, receptions. I, I'd see him kind of them kind of going early and often to him. You know, I think obviously. Uh, Jamar Chase, he gets a lot of love for for obvious reasons. He's amazing. But I do think T. Higgins is one of the guys that they use a little bit more kind of in the intermediate passing game to kind of rack up some of those receptions. So five and a half receptions for T. Higgins, that's one I, I, I would probably take the over on that. Yeah, and if, if Ramsey does lock up with Chase for a majority of the time, you got to think Higgins and Boyd are just going to get a ton of targets. Is that a good thing? Ramsey, I mean, he's amazing. He's my favorite corner in the league. He's my favorite corner to watch. I can't get those, 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 like, what I saw against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, I can't get that out of my head. I mean, he just yeah. got destroyed by Mike Evans. Yeah, it's Brady's last touchdown pass. But uh, I'm, <laughs> I am interested to see what Chase or what, uh, what Ramsey does. I don't think they're going to have him shadow anybody. I think they could try to – I think they're going to use him on the outside, use him on the inside and everything. But I think it's really fascinating. It could be the difference in the game is how Ramsey's used. All right, well, I think that wraps it up. Let's open it up to questions now. If you guys have questions about the Super Bowl, about the offseason, about anything, what do you guys, what do you guys got for us? All right. Sam, you are on the air. Hey, guys. Great great show today. Um, I had a question just watching the uh, NFL Honors Show last night. And it's, I mean, the MVP is pretty much a quarterback award. Do you think that that should be two separate awards, maybe just like a quarterback of the year and then like an offensive and defensive? Or how do do they make that better? Because, I mean, Cooper Cup, he had one of the – best seasons ever i'm biased i'm a rams fan but uh how can you do much better and like how does he even anyone compete with that if it's just going to be quarterbacks every year i think you actually said the answer just now yeah uh you said that the mvp is pretty much a quarterback award i think everybody understands that and then they have the offensive player of the year award i think that goes to more of a skilled position so it it does suck that quarterback pretty much yeah it it does suck that it's so difficult for a non-quarterback to win the MVP, but, you know, we know the quarterbacks, they get paid the most. Uh, you know, everybody goes and watch the quarterbacks. Everybody else, they kind of just fall in line. And as me being a skill position or room for skill positions, I wish that it would be a little different because you can see how important some of these players are to their teams. Look at Debo Samuel. Like, the 49ers don't get to the NFC Championship if it's not for Debo Samuel and his ability and what he was able to do. And you saw them even in the code against Green Bay – it's like, okay, let's use him as a running back. Let's use him as a receiver. Oh, you know what? Let's put him at kick return as well and him have a 50-yard kick return. So, you know, I, I would assume that guys like that should get more consideration having 1,800 yards uh, in the season, 14 touchdowns. We saw what Cooper Cup did. Not to say anything bad about uh, Aaron Rodgers winning the trophy or anything like that, but I do think that these other guys, that man, they had some amazing years. And, you know, MVP shouldn't be out of the realm of possibility, but – Everyone already, I think, before the award show knew it was going to Tom Brady or or Aaron Rodgers, and I just don't think that's right. Yeah, and you make a great point, too, about Debo, because there's an argument to be made that he was the most valuable to his team out of anyone, too. So, definitely. Yeah, I I just think, you know, 
quarterback's the biggest position in sports, it's clearly the most valuable. So if you're going to give it to a receiver, you might as well just give it to the quarterback then because Cup doesn't have that kind of season if it's not for Stafford. Debo's a little different because he, he pretty much changed positions and became more of a running back. But I think the one thing they can do is more college-esque where you still give the, give the Maxwell Award. You get the Bednarik. So they have different four, uh, four positions, but you still give that overall Heisman. So no, I think no matter what, it's going to be a quarterback uh, award, but you can have more awards if they wanted to do that as well. But I don't think there's an easy fix that way. Yeah, I appreciate it. Yeah, and it was just a, a thought I had. I mean, I, I don't care too much about it, but I mean, yeah, it's just interesting seeing it. But appreciate the uh, the thoughts and insight, guys. Sam, I'm not going to lie. I care a lot about it, man, and it really grinds my gears a little bit. <laughs> It grinds my gears, man. I, I More love to the skill position guys, man, especially guys like Debo Samuel. And not just for me being a 49er fan, but just what he meant to an entire team. That that team doesn't go that far without his special ability. The team not even in that NFC Championship game, if he doesn't take a screen 50 yards and break like three tackles on the way to the end zone, man, he was so important to his team. And it is, it's a little unfortunate that even the guy doing everything like that, I think Derrick Henry had a year. I mean, he's rushing for over 2,000 yards. The Tennessee Titans go as Derrick Henry goes. If they don't have the Derrick Henry, they are nothing. And even then, did, did he win MVP that year? No, right? It was probably but, like, look what they did this year without him. They still made it to the playoffs because, I mean, if they lose Tannehill, they don't make the playoffs. That's the thing. So, yeah, but that, I, I think but we could look at that, and they were not nearly as dangerous, and everybody thought they were frauds. Matter of fact, I was so but they shocked. But the, they got the one seed without him. I know, so, and I, I can't I, tell you how. <laughs> it's just like, what, you know, what was good about back is devalued. What was Sorry? good about what was good about Tennessee this year? Like, what do uh, you stands out about them? I think they played good team football. Yeah, yeah, they were coached well, and their defensive line was you know one of the three best, and that kept them in a bunch of games. And then when AJ Brown had, came, AJ Brown individually beat the the Niners on Thursday Night Football. Yeah, he 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 contributed to it. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, I mean, it's not like there was three guys, like three non-quarterbacks that Debo, Jonathan Taylor, Cooper Cup. They all had great arguments for it. It sucks that two of those guys don't really get recognized for it, but just how it goes. I, I thought Brady should have beat Rodgers in the first place. Right. Yeah, yeah I'm right there with you. Yeah, I would have taken any of those guys over Rodgers. I don't really. I mean, I love Aaron Rodgers, but like. He was worse than he was last year. I don't know why he got the award. Yeah, plus he, you know, the whole lying and whole immunization stuff, like, that plays a part of it. He missed games because of that stuff. I think that should be in consideration. Why, why did he win MVP? His team got the one seed. Yeah, I mean. He had a really good season. Yeah, I mean. It's really fact, a like, team award to the quarterback. Yeah, especially, like, they did overcome a lot. The defense, like, they overcame a lot of injuries and – COVID and stuff, but I don't know. I, I just don't know. Like, his stats are impressive. It's great that he had, like, under 1% interception rate again. Um, he's impressive. I just, you know, you guys kind of made the argument. It's like Cup and Taylor and Debo and, like, those guys had amazing seasons, too, as non-quarterbacks. I think that, I don't know. Well, my thing, that I, that's not awarded. Oh, my really thing is Tom Brady. Turnovers. Yeah, yeah Brady. Yeah, he, down turnovers. So that's what made the difference, I think, to me. Go ahead, uh, Crockett. Well, he, just in general, he doesn't throw a lot of interceptions, but – I mean, we talk about Aaron Rodgers and what he was able to do, and I look at Tom Brady, and I think it was equally as impressive 
and not just for a guy that's pushing 45 years old. I mean, I, I thought he was probably the best quarterback this year. Now, I think the one blemish is probably the game against the uh, the New Orleans Saints where they just got shut out. But aside from that, you know, him being at the top of most uh, quarterback statistics, uh, being able to do what he did without having, you know, receivers for stretches of time, whether it was Godwin, Mike Evans. Obviously, we saw what happened with Antonio Brown and him still figure out a way to make a practice squad receiver look like a decent receiver and probably going to make him some money now. I just thought when he he played without running backs, he he missed for net for portions of the season. Uh, he had to break the record for most passing attempts in a season. I, I just I don't know how you. How do you pick someone over Tom Brady? He's 44. Like, and he was the, like you said, he's the best quarterback in the NFL at 44. Like, it's wild. And uh, he definitely should have won. Yeah. Uh, Alex, let's take the next caller. You are on the air. Hey, guys. Yeah, definitely uh, agree with all the MVP discussion. Uh, pretty much ridiculous to see A-Rod win. Um, but uh, I just wanted to uh, look ahead to next season a little bit, uh, get some thoughts on y'all's. Uh, favorites for the Super Bowl next mm. season? Before free agency in the draft, it's a it's a tough one. Um, do you guys, Crocky or Ian, have any teams that stick out to you? I'm always going to say the Chiefs and Bills. Like, I'm sticking with the teams yeah. with the best quarterbacks. So I'll, I'll take those two teams um, moving forward right now. Yeah, well, you know they're going to be in the mix. You know, quarterbacks yeah. are that explosive. You know, Buffalo has done it without a run game. Just imagine if they added some element of a run game. We're going to find out if it's McDermott that is kind of neglecting the run game or if that's just what they do by design because they don't have the guys. But, yeah, I think you have to go with those guys definitely being there. And if I had to pick a team from the NFC, I'd say probably Dallas. I think they're going to return a lot of players. You know, obviously Dak Prescott, another year removed from the injury. Uh, it seems like their coaching is good. They got Dan Quinn back. I picked them this year to kind of go until they made the playoffs and had to play against the 49ers. Oh, 49ers are probably going to kick their ass. But aside from that, I mean, they are a very dangerous team. They had one of the more explosive offenses in the NFL. And uh, those guys are going to be back. Amari Cooper, CeeDee Lamb. Probably won't be a Gallup, but we saw how Wilson stepped up. So I think Dallas Cowboys, they're going to be a dangerous team. We'll see if their defense will be able to take the ball away at the high level that they did this year. I mean, it was amazing how many interceptions they were getting. They're getting some defensive scores. Obviously, Trevon Diggs had 11 interceptions. That was great. But, uh, yeah, they're going to have to take another step defensively. Their defense will be good, but you got to think the turnovers and everything are going to regress. And year-to-year defense doesn't always carry over. So I think that's going to be interesting. I also think, like, where does Deshaun Watson go? If he goes to the Eagles, I rethink the NFC East, depending on how many games he's out and stuff. But the NFC is wide open. I'm just not taking anybody from the South because that is a garbage division. Ian, what do you think? Yeah, um, I, I'm interested to see, one, what does Philly do at quarterback? Two, what does Tampa do at quarterback? Does Russell Wilson go to Tampa? Uh, I mean, I think if that were to happen, then I think they would I just probably don't see, pick I don't see Russ going there. Like, there are yeah. teams with a lot more, a lot better picks that they can offer, The unless he really just forces his way there. And I don't think Ciara's like, take me to Tampa. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's that's where it gets interesting is, like, how much star power, like, did they work with him? Like, uh, Detroit worked with Matt Stafford. I don't know. I mean, it would just be kind of interesting to see. So I kind of want to see where he goes. I'm interested by all the rust to Philly talk. Um, yeah, Deshaun Watson, too. I mean, if this, if he goes to Cleveland, I'd, I'd be adding Cleveland to that mix. Like, is that likely? I don't know. I mean, 
I think this offseason will be weird. I think there's going to be some interesting quarterback decisions to make for these teams. I would guess Russ stays. Um, I would guess that Deshaun doesn't go to a super surprising team. I think um, he goes to the Panthers. That's that's my guess. Yeah, right I think I would guess probably Carolina. I think Miami's cooled off on him. Um, I think it Philly seems like a it's wild, Carolina. Major wild card. Yeah, Carolina, Denver, or. Yeah, yeah. Who does Denver get? Like that's another question. Um, you know, do the Giants? What does Kyler Murray get moved? Like, is there something there? Uh, The Giants would be really interesting for Kyler Kyler Murray because they don't really have the money for any of these other quarterbacks, but they do have the money for Kyler since he's still on a rookie deal. They have those two top ten picks. Like, it's just interesting to see like how. And I wouldn't necessarily pick the Giants to go to Super Bowl with Kyler, but like. You know, do things get that zany? Is this that off season? Because I thought last off season was zany, and I think that it could get a little bit crazier this year. It'd be uncharacteristic of the league's history, but um, right now, I think I'd probably just add to that to that list. It's like I think Cleveland. If the, if Cleveland makes a quarterback upgrade, I think that they would be um, one of my favorites too. I don't know that they would overcome the Chiefs or Bills, but I don't think that they're far off either. Like I think if they had an impact quarterback. Um, especially if it's Watson. I think if they had Watson, I think they'd be my Super Bowl favorite. Um, but that's a huge upgrade for them. So I don't, and obviously that's going to take a lot of clarification on whether he's even going to be able to play or, you know, where he wants to go to with his no trade clause. So if Russ goes anywhere, I say it's the Giants. Uh, I think that just makes so much sense. And if you can be in New York, uh, I think the family would be happy there. I think he wants to be there. Um, and then, yeah, I think yeah that the whole quarterback carousel is going to be really weird. I don't think Cleveland makes a huge move. I think they bring in some kind of competition. I could see them being Jimmy G players, but I don't see them making like a blockbuster move. I, I think they'd be well, – the fans would probably be a little upset with kind of the lateral move from Baker Mayfield to Jimmy Garoppolo. I think there's just I, too much similarity. I, I, Jimmy's an upgrade, but they are on the sim- they're similar type players for sure. Yeah, like how, how much of an upgrade though? Like how, how much does uh, Jimmy move the needle from what you get from Baker Mayfield? You know, right now my wife and I were kind of car shopping for her for her, and there was this one car that she was looking at. And I'm like, babe, like that's I mean, yeah, it's it's a newer model, and it probably drives a little bit smoother, but it's not en- enough better to go from not having a car payment. To going to to that, you know, if you're gonna if you're gonna do get a new car, get something that adds something that you don't have, and I think that's the that's the Cleveland Browns right now. You know, if you're gonna move on from Baker Mayfield, I think it has to be a guy like Deshaun Watson, or or like a Russell Wilson, who you know just adds a different element, a little different dynamicness uh, to be able to you know make some plays as opposed to what you're getting from. Uh, What'd you get yeah, from those guys are going to have to want to go to Cleveland. And I think Odell Beckham has shown it's not the best place to go. Uh, I can't, I just can't see some of the bigger name quarterbacks. So yeah, like obviously if they can get a Watson or if they can get a Russell Wilson, if they can get an Aaron Rodgers, you do it. But I don't think those kind of guys are going to be available. I think a lot of the bad teams, what they should do is just kind of suck this year and hope you can get CJ Stroud or Bryce Young in the 23 draft. But there isn't a lot of options. Like, Deshaun Watson and Jimmy G are probably the two best available quarterbacks, trade market wise. Yeah, I mean Cousins. It looks like Cousins is a lock to go back to Minnesota. Um, mm-hmm. Carr, I would guess, is going to be staying in out in Vegas. Like, 
right? The possibilities went from really attractive and really interesting to, uh, you know, I think Pittsburgh probably makes a big play for Malik Willis. You know, do they mm-hmm. even want a veteran to go with him? Um, how high does Malik Willis go to? I, I mean, I'm, I've been watching him now, and I mean, I, I, I think we get, guys, but I think I we think get four quarters really high. Yeah, I think from what we've seen, and he's going to test crazy. I think yeah. we're going to get you know four quarterbacks in the first round too. So that there's a lot of teams looking for quarterbacks, but a lot of teams are going to either talk themselves into Jimmy G or be like Kenny Pickett, Malik Willis. Like it's not sexy or anything, but you know if Malik Willis hits, then you know you've got the next potentially great quarterback. Yeah, if Kenny Pickett hits, you've got, you you got the next Jimmy much? G. You know. Yeah. Yeah. I've, 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 I. I Mike Malik Willis is a is a super fun watch. He uh, if you watch the highlight tape, you're like, how's this guy not going number one? But then you see the rest of the picture, and it's a little scary. Would but, you take him I over mean, Trey Lance? No, absolutely not. Interesting. I think if Trey Lance came out right now, he'd be the number one pick, and I don't think he'd be even close. My hot take is if I'm number two at Detroit, I'm probably taking Malik Willis. But. Wow, that's fun. That's interesting. I can't see. I can't see. Uh, I like they won't. Dan. Yeah, yeah. I I can't see. Like I think it'd be fun. I can't see uh, Dan. What's his name getting into that one? Dan but Campbell, yeah. that'd be a lot. Of, Dan Campbell. Yeah, that'd be a lot of fun. What were you gonna say, yeah. Crocky? Well, I was gonna say like you know while we're kind of on the topic and and Trey Lance was brought up, why why does this narrative get pushed with Trey Lance like he's just the most already quarterback ever as opposed to some of the other rookies. I thought he actually looked better than in uh, his small sample size. I always thought it was kind of BS. Like, I definitely think uh, race plays a part in that. Uh, I think from what I watched of Trey Lance, I thought he was the most, one of the most, maybe not the most, but he was NFL ready to start, I thought. He he was in the most pro-ready offense of any of those quarterbacks from last year. He is the only quarterback who turned his back to a defense in play action and still showed any success and stuff. So, uh, and I think, you know, playing one game and being at a smaller school, those things all play a part of it. But it's weird how, like, one narrative kind of just takes hold. When I thought he was pro-ready, he almost beat Jimmy G. They even admitted it in the preseason. And then if it wasn't for his knee injury, he was going to start that Colts game. So he was definitely ready. Well, okay, so I think the next question is, what does it mean to be ready? Right, and, and does being ready kind of change uh, based on maybe your team and the circumstances? Because we do hear that a lot with Trey Lance. Oh, he's not ready, and it's things he needs to work on. And I, I'd say, hey, if you want to look at Trey Lance and nitpick at maybe some of his uh, mechanics that he can improve on, okay, we could do that. But to kind of jump to the conclusion, I don't want to say conclusion, but to jump to the fact that, you know what, he's not ready, and it's going to take multiple years as if we didn't watch them and see some of the things. And even then, in games where we watched them against the Texans, and it's like, you know what? He looked much more comfortable, at least especially in the second half, but he looked comfortable. He looked improved. You know, he completed, you know, 16 out of 23 passes, threw a couple touchdowns, ran for another one that got called back, uh, didn't have the interception. But then it's like, you know what? No, nah, like, you just can't play with this guy. can't win with, his, with this guy. And I just think it's pretty, it's pretty wild the way that uh, he's kind of talked about. Then you hear Joe Montana. When Joe Montana comes out and he's like, oh, well, nah, yeah, you know, I would stay with Jimmy Garoppolo until they could find somebody else. I don't think that's Wait, wait, wait. Die. So you're telling me the guy who was replaced by Steve Young doesn't want the hot young backup to, to take over? I think there is a little uh, of that playing into it. But I think, yeah, I think you're 100% right. Like, no one's, no one's ready. Like, 
a lot of people forget like these are young 21 to 23 year olds who are not finished products that get better. So uh, no one's like Trevor Lawrence was supposed to be generational prospect and ready. And he didn't look ready, whether that was because of him or the offense and stuff, those kind of things happen, you know? So I think there's degrees of readiness, but like how many people uh, like are grinding the tape and realize that stuff. A lot of people hear one narrative and just run with it. You know, uh, listening to not just Joe Montana, but I heard him say, you know, well, I, I spoke to some players. Some of the players said that, you know, basically, oh, Trey Lance isn't ready. So I started thinking about, like, okay, who could he have spoke to? Likely a guy like Debo Samuel. We heard Debo Samuel kind of allude to the fact that, hey, there's things that Trey Lance needs to improve on uh, to kind of take that next step to really be like a superstar in this league. And I started thinking about it. I said, you know what? Debo Samuel, one, he has openly admitted that he doesn't, he doesn't watch football. He didn't grow up watching football. So the only real, real like quarterback that he can go off of is Jimmy Garoppolo. So if, if you're saying that Trey Lance isn't ready because he doesn't look as efficient as Jimmy Garoppolo in the offense right now, that's one thing, you know, because that's the only thing really Debo has to go off of as, aside from maybe watching some, you know, pro quarterbacks across the field from him. But I, I think his, he's probably the one talking to, uh, Joe Montana because of maybe what it looks like in practice and then you get Joe Montana and he's saying these things and uh, it, it's unfortunate. I feel like it's like I got to come to Trey Lance's defense a little bit because I'm like, man, it, it almost feels like a little a little unfair and I hope for him he has one thick skin and he's able to kind of block out some of the noise because uh, I feel like Trey Lance is kind of playing on a different set of rules as opposed to the, some of the other rookies. And, and I do want to add this real quick as it pertains to maybe the readiness, like what does it mean to be ready? It might have to do with the team. Like if your team is a playoff team, then maybe you're expected to be able to perform right now at a certain level. And I think there's a case to be made that maybe he's not ready to perform perform at that level week in and week out today. Um, and obviously that doesn't mean that he can't get to that point by August uh, once training camp rolls around. But uh, yeah, just some things that were kind of on my mind. Y'all brought up Trey Lance. Would you take Trey Lance over these other quarterbacks in this class? And I would say even if he just had the same season as he had his redshirt freshman year, I, I would take him number one overall. Yeah, easily. He if, gone, obviously, Jacksonville he number one last year, but it was just a weird year. And I also think, you know, Shanahan's offense is not the easiest thing to learn. Matt Ryan, his first year struggled, second year won MVP. So it definitely takes time to learn that Shanahan offense. So it's not an easy thing. And so patience, I mean, patience is good, but we saw tangible improvement between Lance's starts as well. So, I'm uh, very encouraged, but it, it is interesting. Uh, Ian, uh, you asked the question, but would you take Malik Willis over Trey Lance? Um, I think if all else were equal, I, I think I might. The, the one that the only thing that gives me pause on that is Lance is super young and Malik Willis is not. I think there's like a four year age difference or three, at least like a three year age difference. That's so that huge. would be my concern. Yeah, that would be my concern because I do think a Trey Lance in three years is going to be like, Really, really freaking good, especially with Kyle Shanahan. So, like, I'm, I'm kind of like, I was kind of down on Lance. Like, obviously, like the the, the physical school tools are amazing, and like what he did at North Dakota State was great. Like, he plays within the scheme very well. I think he'll do the same with with the with the 49ers pretty quickly. Like, that's just an ideal landing spot for him. Um, but I kind of just posed the question in the sense of like, I'm not sure why outside of age, like Willis to me looks a lot like Lamar Jackson. Um, 
in all like the positive ways. I think he's even more advanced than where Lamar was coming out accuracy wise, um, coming out of college, not where he is today, but where he was probably like two years ago. So I don't know. I like Malik a lot. Like there's a lot to kind of dive into there just because Liberty just was way better than some of the teams that they faced. And then they were not even close to like Ole Miss. So yeah, they were kind of caught in like that weird middle ground of they're a good team, but they're just not like a power five team. And uh, it'll be interesting to see, like, I just think his, his landing spot will be great, but he's the guy that to me is like far away QB one in this class. So I just kind of thought it was interesting. And like, I don't think that, I would definitely take Malik Willis over Zach Wilson. Um, I think that's probably more of an interesting conversation. Well, I, I think the Jets would take Trey Lance over Zach Wilson if they could redo the draft right now, too. Maybe even Fields. Yeah, I, I would think so, too. I mean, the, I don't know why like there wasn't much discussion about why the Jets didn't completely clean house this offseason. But... Uh, there was improvement towards the end of the year and everything, but it was a... It was not a great year for the Jets, and Salah had a lot of growing pains and everything. So the Jets yeah. are super interesting, but uh, especially if, you know, we already see that Mac Jones is looking pretty good. Fields has shown a lot of potential. Lance has shown potential. So if, if all those guys end up, you know, not being bust and Wilson does, like, that is going to be an all-timer. Yeah. Yeah, it was just weird how he was, like, unquestionably the number two pick all offseason last year. Yeah. I, th- I think the Niners would have taken him – Two, if the they were switched too, I think Will, the I Niners think so initially liked Wilson more than Lance. Yeah, I think they did too. Ah, uh, yeah, and, and that's one of the things where I, I thought it was just crazy. One to take him over Justin Fields. I don't even know how people came to that conclusion or how he just leapfrogged over Justin Fields. That was kind of wild to me. And then when it comes to Trey Lance, I think obviously there is definitely more projection with him just because of the small sample size. But the physical like ability, and we, we've seen it now to where if you feel like a guy has like the the mental capability to like put in the tireless work ethic to improve, then that is something that you probably take a chance on. Like Josh Allen, I did not like Josh Allen coming out of Wyoming. <laughs> I was like, no way, no way. And then to see what he's become, it has really taught me a lot about one patience and just certain guys. They're improvements and the trajectory of their careers can just be different if they have the talent. And Josh Allen's an outlier though. Like yeah. he, he is amazing, obviously, but I, he I was the outlier. worst quarterback in the NFL his first season. And like, yeah. uh, we talk about a lot of that potential, but like how many of those guys realize that potential fully like he does, like he is a complete outlier, but it's why you should take swings for the upside. You know, over like a Baker Mayfield who doesn't have the upside. Right. Exactly. Because you have Baker Mayfield who's supposed to be kind of the safer pick and he does all these things well. But then once you see kind of those limitations really kind of come to the surface when you're trying to turn that next page. And, you know, the Browns, I mean, it hasn't been like a failure of a pick. I mean, the Browns were terrible. And now they, I think most of us would say that they are a playoff team. So we, we, we know that aspect of it in the sense of him like being a solid quarterback. But now there's going to be all those questions of how much do you pay him? Do you pay him more than some of these other guys? Do you trade him away? Because you're going to be looking for more. And I think that's why you, at the very least, take a swing on a guy and say, you know, what? I'm going all or nothing. I'm going with Malik Willis over these other guys, even though there's been – and I was at the Senior Bowl. There were a lot of guys that were like, man, he had the best five throws, but he also had the worst five throws. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I'm saying, you know what? I- I'll take that. If-, if I have a guy that can – okay, let me see 
It might take a year. It might take two years. But if I can get him to become more consistent with the high-level plays that he's able to make, I'll take that. Because at the end of the day, I don't want a guy who is going to hit his ceiling in year one and is not ideal for what I want in the offense or what kind of today calls from from these quarterbacks. Now, again, everybody can look towards uh, Tom Brady and see what he's doing, and he's not another, really a mobile. It's like, that's Tom Brady. Yeah, it's like, that's Tom Brady. Most guys, watch how Joe Burrow got to the Super Bowl. It was with him ultimately having to make plays with his legs. Not saying that's how he has to play, but at that moment, when they needed it with his legs, he was able to do it. As opposed to maybe a guy like uh, Jimmy Garoppolo, who I watch, who does things very well. Like when he's there, he's typically able to take advantage of it. But if he's asked to do some things outside of the context of the play, it's very, very, very hit or miss. And I, yeah, and, and guys, you know, when the, what? guys get drafted for traits in that first round, the first top 10 picks and everything. So we're pretty much just talking about Kenny Pickett versus Malik Willis right now, because you're getting, you know, the guy who might not have much more potential and everything versus the guy with all the potential, but safer floor versus the ceiling and everything. So I find that's really interesting, but that's from what the league has seen, you'd think Malik Willis would go ahead of Pickett, but that it sounds like Pickett's going to be QB one because of that. And it's weird, too, because, like, the league and, and going back to kind of, like, Baker versus Josh Allen and all those guys, like, I like Josh Rosen that year. And obviously, like, that was a disaster. But, like, mm-hmm. I also didn't know where the league was going. Like, if you'd have told me that within two years, Patrick Mahomes would be a thing, Deshaun Watson would be, you know, what he became. Um, and, I mean, and I really like those guys as prospects. I didn't think Deshaun Watson would be as good as he is. Like, I didn't think he'd become this off-schedule master of, you know, making plays outside the pocket because he didn't do that at Clemson. He was phenomenal in the scheme and he wasn't given many opportunities to create outside. Like I was a huge Patrick Mahomes fan. Like that's probably my biggest hit. And yet like you still can't account for how good he was going to be. You know, these guys became so transformative. Josh Allen hitting his ceiling. Like I was down on Josh Allen with the caveat of saying like, look, if anyone's going to do it, it's going to be him. And then you see it happen, happen. And it's like, wow, like, Holy crap. Like you, you just don't even know what that means. Like as the league has evolved. And so now it's just like, I don't, I don't know how you can justify taking the, lo- the like the lower upside guy um, because it, it leaves you with Baker Mayfield and, you know, or Jimmy G. And it's like, you have to swing on Trey Lance. You have to swing on, on, on these type of guys. And if they don't work out, then they don't work out. But like the, the, the margin to er- margin for error to win, I think unless if you have like a Matt Ryan or Kirk cousins, like one of those, and Jimmy G's like right there. He's like right on that cusp where of like that above average to average line. I think that you can win a Super Bowl with. If yeah, you're the NFL, any bit uh, below around that. the NFL used to call it the Dalton line. So if you had worse yeah. than Dalton, you needed a franchise quarterback. If you had somebody better than Dalton, you were okay. And now I think Andy Dalton, if he were even playing his best football, would be probably where Baker Mayfield is which is for a lot of people well below that line. Like I think that the level of quarterbacking has gone up that much and the playmaking is that good from the position to where it's like the bar just keeps moving higher and higher and higher. So, um, yeah. And you need, yeah, I mean, yeah, and, and Burrow too. It's why the Niners made the trade. You need a top yeah. five to seven quarterback or you need pretty much a perfect team surrounding a league average quarterback. And we've even, we've seen it in the playoffs with Goff and Jimmy G in the Super Bowl. They have that great team around them, but then it comes back to bite them. And then if they have that top five to seven guy, it, you know, erases a lot of those problems. So that's, I mean, that's why you go for Malik Willis over a picket or somebody like that. 
Good questions. Um, any more questions from the listeners? All right. I will take that as a no. This was a, a fun discussion about the Super Bowl. Uh, you can listen to us, you know, even when the Super Bowl's over, we're going to get into a lot of fun off-season topics as the Lions football show grows and continues on. Uh, follow me at Casually Ginger. Uh, what about you guys? What do you want to plug? Where can we follow you guys? Uh, start with uh, Crocky. Yeah, at Eric underscore Crocker. Uh, tune in for really a, my, my Twitter account. I post everything to it. Just started a new weekly podcast with the New York Giants and those guys over there. My guy, uh, John and Tony. Gosh, what's Tony's last name? How am I butchering his name? I'm trying to Montana. do Montana. No, no, not Soprano. Uh, but she, but shout out to the Tony Montana crew, uh, 49ers back in the day. But Tony Pauline, my bad. Uh, so Tony uh, Pauline, uh, we're on a draft show with the, for the New York Giants on their official Twitter account. You, you'll see it posted, their official YouTube website, all that good stuff. Uh, also, Locked On NFL Draft, Locked On 49ers, all that good stuff. Uh, but, yeah, follow me on Twitter, at Eric underscore Crocker, and you can find all that work. Cool. What about you, Ian? Nice. Yeah, everything's on my Twitter at NFL Film Study. Um, yeah, gonna try to do some quarterback stuff here over the off season. Probably take it a little bit light, but uh, always sharing to the to the Twitter feed. So definitely hit it up, hit it up over there. All right, sounds good. Everybody enjoy the Super Bowl weekend, the last football game for you know six months, and we'll be around. Talk to you guys later. Bye bye.